Hey everyone, welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. We are so honored that you would take a few minutes and you would join us, even if it's through an app on your phone right now. We're just honored that you would spend the time with us. And I want to encourage you, if you want to spend time with us in person, we would love to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We would love to meet you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to serve you. So make plans to join us. But right now, I hope that you enjoy this message and we hope that it encourages you and it blesses you today. You know, I never thought that I would be the one that would have a breakdown. If you would have known me uh, when I was younger, if you would have known me when I was a kid or in high school and growing up, like it's a life of the party. You know, and uh, there's spark. There's there's still sparks of that in me. All right, I haven't. I'm not fully gone, but I'm not what I once was. And uh, you would have never looked at me and said, "I bet Clint's going to struggle mentally, emotionally when he's older." You know, I never would have thought I'd be the, the guy that would have a breakdown. Uh, but we decided to start a church, and that'll do it to you. All right. And I remember. Um, you know, I've, I've had bouts of mental unhealth uh, in my life just through circumstances and uh, things going on in my family and outside of my family, and I've, I've struggled, but nothing like this. Um, I remember getting the call from God to start our church, and it came in just a small little voice that God said, hey, a little, just a little nudge, like just a little inkling of like, hey, I think we need to do this. And I remember going on the whole, you wouldn't believe what it takes um, just logistically to start a church. It's crazy. I remember going through the process, getting accepted into the Ark family who we planted our church through. And praise God, by the way, our church has been a part of planting dozens of churches this fall already. Give God a hand for that. Um, and you're a part of that when you give here. And I remember um, moving here after realizing we're going to start our church. And we left an amazing church in Florida that we still love dearly and making, you know, enough for our family to be comfortable. And um, we moved up here on February 29th, 2020. That's leap year, leap day on leap year. And what happened two weeks later my word, nothing could have prepared me for it. And uh, I remember COVID starts, and I quickly got into a dark place. Stephanie could tell you. I was afraid um, of getting COVID. I was afraid for our family. And it was, the lockdown was supposed to last two weeks. You remember that? It's the longest two weeks of my life. Uh, and we weren't living in our house we live in now. We were staying with another family. Uh, there were six kids, seven and under, under that roof. There were six kids, <laughs> seven and under, under that roof. While COVID's going on, while I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? People can't get together. How are we going to start a church? We left this amazing place in Florida with job security, and we were living, we drained our savings, you know, like we gave everything to this, and... I remember 
we were trying to build the church in just the most creative way possible. Just, okay, we'll do online interest parties and we'll do this. And God got, got us through there, but I'm still struggling. And we finally were able to have a party, uh, an interest party. And we go to this coffee shop, have the interest party. And of course, the next day, someone's like, I'm in the hospital with COVID. And they were working with all the kids. And I'm like, our, our church is going to die. Everyone in our church is going to die. And I remember just being so stressed. And this was like before we know what we know now about COVID. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was a little different at the beginning, for sure. And um, it was hard to raise money. It cost money to start a church. And it was hard. God provided. Praise God, he provided. But it felt like Stephanie and I had built our dream home. And we were watching it burn to the ground uh, before we could even live in it. And I remember we finally started, we finally started meeting in person. We were meeting at Centerpoint Church off Centerpoint Road and praise the Lord for Jason Baugh, their pastor, for messaging us. And off, we, he let us meet there for a year for free. And so we started our first service, had 120 people show up, and we were like, man, this is the best. Next week, 100 people show up soon we were down to like 20 people and people stopped coming to our church and people were leaving. Um, more weeks than not, we would set up at that church and nobody would come except for the people that helped us set up. Um, and that was hard when you give up everything and you're like, this is going to work. And there's one thing after the other that you're just having to fight through, fight through, fight through, fight through. And uh, I remember it was a Sunday night after church in October, so a couple years ago now. We were at home, and no one had showed up again. I think someone probably told us they were leaving, and Stephanie was sitting on the fireplace crying. I didn't have the courage to cry or the emotional capacity to cry. I'm just numb and dead on the inside. And she said, I don't want to do this anymore. And... We, you know, didn't feel like God was telling us to be done, but we really wanted to be done. And we decided we were going to just try and keep going and not give up. And so we did and we kept going and uh, we realized like we have to move locations. We can't build our church at another church like we need to, we need to have our own space. And God provided this place for half the price of what we budgeted for. Um, and we had been real conservative financially. We had the money to buy things and, and buy lights that don't work and those sort of things. And they work today. We hardwire those lights today, everybody. <laughs> Kevin worked his butt off today. Y'all give Kevin a hand. And they're like 80% there, right? Like they, I don't know how to program them, but they're on and they're not flickering. Um, and I remember when we were moving here, I was still carrying around the stress of, in, in our brains, this was our Hail Mary. If this didn't work, we were done. We couldn't do it anymore. Financially, it didn't make sense. It just, I, I couldn't do it. And I remember um, I was driving to Indianapolis with Kevin. Well, no, without Kevin first. Um, and I was picking up these speakers right here. And I was driving to Indianapolis and back in one day. All right, so I was a suicide trip, baby. And uh, I got to Bowling Green, and all of a sudden, I thought I was having a heart attack. And 
heart started pounding. I couldn't see anything. Uh, I started getting tunnel vision. I got real disoriented. Um, I pulled off and called Steph. I was like, I think I'm having some sort of something. And so I turned around and drove home. And uh, I got home. I went to the doctor, got scanned down on my heart and all this stuff. My heart looked fine. And um, so I, I realized that it wasn't uh, a heart problem. It was a stress and anxiety problem. And I was carrying the weight of all this for so long, and I wasn't managing it well. And any time my brain started to turn off, like when I was driving or at a, it, had, it's had, it had several of these episodes, but it was whenever I was like watching a movie or, and all of a sudden my brain would turn off, my body would be like, oh no, you're thinking about everything all at once. And push it all to the front of my brain and I'd have a panic attack, anxiety attack. And I remember feeling hopeless, didn't want to do this. And if you would have known me, looked at me on the outside, you'd never know anything that was going on. I remember thinking, I don't know if I can keep doing this. This is going to kill me. A um, lot going on. And uh, I hope that's not too real for you today, but that's what we're going to talk about. Maybe you have some similar circumstances today that you're going through. But can we just get real in here this morning? Can we do that? Come on, can we get real today? Come on, can we get real today? We're going to be real today? Okay. I want to talk to the next few weeks about mental health. And I know because I talked to a lot of you, a lot of us in this room struggle with that. Or maybe you're starting to struggle with it for the first time. Or maybe it's a chronic thing that you've dealt with for a long time. Or maybe there's just something from your past that's now starting to bug its way up in your life. And like, I know, I know a lot of you are struggling with this. And, I, and if I don't know, you might be struggling with this because this is one of those things we just like to keep secret and we have to keep it. We don't want people to know about it like they're going to think I'm broken. Well, today I want to talk to us about the most dangerous myths of mental health. The most dangerous myths of mental health. Before we do, I want to pray for you, though. And uh, this message is very foundational all right, so the rest is coming. All right, so just don't, just bear with us for a second. We're going to lay the foundation today, and then we're going to spend the next six weeks talking about this. But before we do, I want to pray this over us, and it's a prayer that I'm going to read from Scripture. But I want your eyes open, heads up. We're not going to bow our heads and close our eyes for this prayer. I just want to pray this over you today. May the God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. And he'll do it. God, we receive that today. God, would you just show up the only way that you can show up. God, we love you. We thank you. We give this uh, time to you. God, we're open. Help us and meet us right where we are today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The good news is, is that things are starting to change around this area of mental health, okay? Things are starting to change. 
And uh, before, a generation before, we would have never talked about this in church, right? Like you never, you would have been like, nope, I ain't talking about that. Like we're just going to avoid it altogether. But the good news is things are changing. And, um, <clears throat> and sometimes the implication is that if you come to Jesus, that Jesus fixes everything in your life. Right? Like, and you may have heard this priest before. You may have heard it preached that, you know, God saves you. And come on, y'all know like the Southern preachers, God saves you and he redeems you, right? Like he fills you with the Holy Ghost, not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, baby. You know, like, and you hear people going and they're preaching, they're preaching these things like he, he's going to work all things together for good. And all of those things are true. Okay, I want to let you, all those things are true things, all right? And, and the, the fact is, he does save you. He does redeem you. He does forgive you. He's always going to be with you. Uh, he's going to work out everything for your good. And all of that is true, okay? But it's also incomplete. It's all true, but it's also incomplete. So I'm going to make a statement some of you might not like this statement. You might think it's heresy, but just chill. Okay, stay with me for a second. And I want us to think about this. It's just because Jesus saved you doesn't mean he fixes every area of your life instantly. Just because Jesus saves you doesn't mean that he fixes every area of your life instantly. We think that sometimes. We think that, man, it's like a dry erase board. And when we get saved, God just takes an eraser, just go pop, pop, pop. But I, I've never seen this work. I've actually tried this when I was a kid. It's never worked. Uh, I've never heard someone say uh, that they prayed to, prayed to receive Jesus. And all of a sudden, they lifted their shirt up and they had a six pack. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, that doesn't happen. I've never heard of someone coming to an altar and saying, Lord, I give my life to you. And all of a sudden their credit score was just, you know, 100 points higher. You know, like I've never, I've never heard of someone rededicating their life and getting baptized and the bald patch on their head starts to grow back. Like it just, that's not how this works. Just because you've given your life to Jesus doesn't mean that everything changes instantly. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, have y'all seen the shirt that says, I love Jesus, but I'll cuss a little? You know, like, you might still have a problem with that. You know, I almost did today working on these daggum lights. I think I told Jeff, you might hear me say something today that you don't want your pastor to say. I'm so sorry if you do, you know, and, and just because you come to Jesus, it doesn't mean that your boss is going to be nice to you. Can I get an amen from somebody unless your boss is in the room? Harrison, shut your mouth, big dog. Or it doesn't mean that your bank account's bigger. Uh, just because you come to Jesus, it doesn't make you instantly become mentally healthy. That's, it's not how this works. And I don't want to <laughs> preach to you something that's not true. That's not how this whole thing works. And so what is mental health? When we talk about mental health, what are we talking about? And before we get going, disclaimer, this is going to be a surprise to most of you. I'm not a doctor, okay? Uh, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. I'm attacking this from a spiritual perspective, okay? Um, and I, I want you to understand that. I'm not a doctor. I, I love doctors. Go to see a doctor, all that. I'm not attacking it from that angle, but I'm, that's just not me. I'm, I'm a pastor. So that's how I'm going to tackle it today. But when I, I do want to acknowledge that what mental health actually is, and mental health would include three things, okay? It's going to include your emotional, I'm sorry, your mental well-being, emotional well-being, 
your psychological well-being, and your social well-being. Those three things work together to make your mental health up. And what's interesting is that your mental health is not static. That means that mental health doesn't just stay the same. It, it kind of ebbs and it flows. So that means that you could be mentally healthy for most of your life and you could have something come up in your life that causes you to struggle in your mental health, right? Like just because you were once in a good place doesn't mean you're always going to be in a good place. Your mental health will kind of ebb and flow a little bit and your mental health will actually impact how you think, right? And, and, and what you think impacts how you feel, which impacts how you act. So your mental health is going to determine how you handle stress around you, how you relate to people around you, how you make choices, good or bad. Your mental health is going to help. Uh, it's going to determine a lot of these things in your life. It's, your mental health it might determine the health of your marriage. It might determine the health of your body. It might determine a lot of different areas of your life. Why? Because it's fluid. It's not static. It changes over time. It changes through circumstances and it changes the environments around you. So what I want to do is I want to give you two mental health myths. All right. And I want to tackle these myths. I want to talk about them a little bit. And I want to talk to you about these two mental health myths. Here's the first one. And this is one we face in the church all the time is that here's myth number one. Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health. Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health. A lot of Christians believe that you shouldn't struggle with mental health because if you've been saved, you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you and you shouldn't struggle with it. And if you do struggle with it, you have done something wrong. There's like an unconfessed sin in your life. There's a lifestyle you're living that ain't right. And all of a sudden, like, man, if you're struggling with this, you better get right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what some people believe. Uh, and I want to just tell you today that you can love Jesus and still fight depression. You can love Jesus and still fight anxiety. You can love Jesus and still feel lonely. You can love Jesus and still need to heal from some trauma. You, you can love Jesus and still deal with mental health in a negative way. When I think about the Bible, some of the heroes of the Bible, like people that you've heard of, that you heard of when you went to VBS when you were a kid, like these people are like the, the, the superheroes, the Avengers of the Bible, right? Like you, I think of Elijah. Elijah was a bad dude. That dude was a little cocky, very confident, all right? And he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with 800 false prophets of Baal, and he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them, and he uh, called fire down from heaven. It scorched up this altar in front of these prophets of Baal. Then he killed all of the prophets of Baal right there. That, my man is legit. The chapter after that he is cowering and he's hiding in a cave wishing that he would die. He struggled with mental health. I think of David. Y'all know David. The Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. The dude beat Goliath when he was a teenager. He walked out as a teenager, faced a 10-foot tall giant, and beat him when every other person in the army was afraid to go beat Goliath. But man, the Psalms, they're full of writings of David who uh, he was in deep despair and he wondered if God had abandoned him. That's the David. All right, so let's talk about Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a whole book of the Bible and he's called the weeping prophet. Wouldn't you? I would hate to be known as the weeping pastor, right? Like, I, no, I don't want to be known as that, you know? Like, but he was known as the weeping prophet and he was the voice of God. Yeah. 
to an entire generation, an entire nation. And the Bible tells us that he cursed the day he was born. People in the Bible struggled with this. People that you respect and love in the Bible, they struggled with this. So if you find yourself struggling with mental health, you might find people that say, come on, you need more of God. You just need more God. You, have, you know what? Have you tried getting more God? Hey, you know what you need? More God. That's what people say. And they think that that's just going to fix it. But you might just need more sleep. I'm serious. You might need to just take a nap. You might need to turn your phone off. You might need to do some other things. You might need better friends. And I don't know why in the world you wouldn't be in a group. By the way, if you're feeling lonely, get in a group. We have built-in friends right there for you. But if you're struggling with loneliness and not feeling like you're connecting with anybody, that's why we do that. We want you to connect with God and connect with other people. That's, that's the whole reason we have this church. But you might need better friends, right? Uh, you might need to, you know, we need to talk about this for a second and understand that we have to take a holistic approach to this. And I'm not talking about holistic medicine. I'm talking about treating every part of who you are. So your body, your soul, and your mind. We have to take an approach where we're addressing the whole thing because it all works together. It all weaves together. And if you're struggling and you came to church and you're reading your Bible and you're serving, you're in a group and you're giving, it doesn't mean you're not a good Christian if you struggle with mental health. It just means that you're human. You're a person. And people struggle. And, and here's why this is a myth. It's a myth because the myth is uh, Christians shouldn't struggle with this, but it's a myth because you're a person and persons and people have feelings and we have things that go on in our lives. And listen, just because you struggle with it doesn't make you a bad Christian. Come on, I, I feel like I'm talking to somebody right now. You feel down on yourself. You feel shame. Guess what? You're in good company. You're not alone in here, okay? So that's the first myth. Christians shouldn't struggle with this. The second one is this. God doesn't care about your mental health. I don't hear this preached a lot in the circles I'm in, but I think we think this a lot, that we don't want to bother God because we seem insignificant. Like, I feel like I'm just complaining. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I feel like I'm just whining, like, oh, God, I'm stressed. And like, he's like, you're stressed? I'm keeping the whole universe. And, you know, like, but that's not how God is. God cares about everything in your life. So much. He cares about you. The scriptures, especially the Psalms, we see how much God cares about every area of your life. And you know what? The Psalms, it's the biggest book in the Bible. And it shows us how much God cares. It says, you know, the Psalms say, He's the, the Lord is the light in my salvation. It says, whom shall I fear? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed. It says, God is our refuge. He's our strength. He's your strong fortress today. He's your ever-present help in time of trouble. If you feel like you're in trouble, your family's in trouble, your kids are in trouble, your finances are in trouble, go to God. He's your ever-present help in time of trouble. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. It says, he restores my soul. So we get the name of our church from one of the translations. It says his pathway leads to an oasis of peace. 
Come on, God cares. He cares, and the Psalms are full of this. If you need some help today in your mental health, I would encourage you, go to the Psalms. All right, and if you want to see someone have a nervous breakdown, go to the Psalms. All right, these jokers were struggling. All right, and so that's how they dealt with certain things. And uh, there's a lot of Psalms that you would want to put on your coffee mug, but not the one we're about to read. All right, you don't want this one on a t-shirt, on a bumper sticker. You don't want that. So we're going we're gonna to read a Psalm in a second. It was written by a guy named He-Man. Y'all say He-Man. Not this guy. Okay, not that He-Man, another He-Man, all right? Did y'all, anybody in here watch He-Man growing up? Okay, there we go. I thought about putting my face on that guy's body. I mean, look at those muscles, man. I love it. Not that He-Man, all right? This is another He-Man. And He-Man was the guy in the Bible. You can leave him up, it's fine. For I'll get to the next slide in a second. He-Man was the guy in the Bible that you would want your daughter to bring home to marry. You know, like he had it all together. He was, here's what the Bible says. He had great wisdom. This is all stuff about He-Man, all right? He had great wisdom. Uh, he had musical ability. Uh, he was a committed parent. Um, he had several kids, like I think seven or eight kids uh, in here. And he, and he served the king, and the king actually spoke very highly. This guy was the You would be proud of your daughter marrying this guy. You want to be this guy. He's like the deacon at the church, you know, the one that doesn't drink and, and do anything crazy, right? Like he was the guy that you would want. And uh, typically in the Psalms, you'll see all this dismay and you'll see all this kind of like, woe is me. And typically by the end of the Psalms, they're like, but God, you're so cool. You know, like we're so good, all that. All, that happens in every Psalm except for two. And we're going to read one of those. This one does not have a happy ending. It doesn't end well. It, it, it does not end with, and they lived happily ever after. It, it's, it's really dark. So I want to I read this to you because I think it's important for us to understand why this is in the Bible. It's Psalm 88, starting in verse 3. It says this, I am overwhelmed with trouble, and my life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like one without strength. Have you ever been there? Where you just don't want to do anything? Just have no desire, no strength. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in their grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. Now he's about to say something in a second that he actually gets right. But he's just expressing to God how he feels. He's about to get this next part right. And something that you can get right today, no matter how you walked in here, no matter what's going on in your life, you can get this next part right. And I just want to tell you, if you made it here today, you already did a good job. You put yourself in a position that you were able to, uh, you're able to put yourself in an environment that could change the outcome of your mental health today. And I'm proud of you for being here. Come on. So we don't give enough credit sometimes. Sometimes it's hard to get to church. Your kids go crazy on Sundays. You and your wife are yelling at each other in the car, and then you got to come to church and be like, hey, how you doing, everybody? And you know you're mad at her. Listen, but, but you got here. Okay? That did not, we don't ride to church together, so that did not happen to us. It has before, but not today. Um, 
And listen, even there, there's something in you. It got you here. There's something in, even if it's buried deep in your heart, it's starting to turn you toward the light today. So here's what you can do. All right, listen to this. But I cry out to you for help, Lord. In the morning, the first thing, my prayer comes before you. And even though he's crying to God, he's not finding the peace that he's looking for or that he wants. And he says, why, Lord, do you reject me? Why do you hide your face from me? And he ends with this, and this is a little haunting. It says, you have taken me from friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Darkness. It's his closest friend. It's darkness. Sometimes this is how we feel in our lives, right? Like, am I crazy for thinking that? Do y'all feel that way sometimes? Like, I feel like, man, there's this doom. I just have a sense of dread in me. That's how he feels. And, and, and why is this in the Bible? Why did God put something like this in the Bible that didn't even have a happy ending? I'll tell you why. It's because uh, it gives us permission to love him and to question him. It gives us permission to worship him and also hurt at the same time. It gives us permission to, to bring everything that's going on in our hearts, in our minds, in our soul, and we can give it to God and he's big enough to handle it. Can I hear somebody say amen today? Some of y'all need to do that with God. He's your safe place. He's your refuge. He's the place where you can go, God, I'm struggling and I don't even know what to do. God's big enough to handle that thing. And guess what? He cares. Some of you need to know that today. He cares for you. He cares for your mental health. He cares that you feel like you're depressed. And he cares that you're an anxious person. He cares that you're stressed. He cares about that trauma that you went through. He cares. And he wants you to bring that stuff to him. And let me tell you, I've been there. Like I was talking about earlier in the message, whenever I started having those episodes and just Things were piling on one after the other. Boom, 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 boom. I, real, I, I had to get help. I had to get help. So I went and saw a counselor. I uh, opened up to some pastors that I'm in a small group with, talked to them about it, uh, started changing some things in my life, and I began to change. And I began to do some things that were going to change, and I got help. And I want you to know today, especially the men in the room, getting help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. Some of you need help. Wives, shh, don't say anything right now. Some of you men need help. And I'm serious. You need to, and it just something's just going on in your life. Something out of your control. And you just need help working through it. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. It's a sign of strength. Go get help. If your body was sick, would you go get help from a doctor? Yeah. Right? Like you you get help, right? Like if you would go do the thing you need to do, if you if you couldn't see. You would go get glasses. If you're, if you're mentally, and I'm talking to everybody, if you're mentally or emotionally need help, go get the help. It's okay. 
I want to I want to destigmatize that it's not a weak thing to do, and it's a it's a wise thing to do. And through processing all this with my counselor, with my brothers who are pastors, and doing all this, I, I didn't have a heart problem. I don't have a heart problem. I have a stress and anxiety problem, and that's the thing that was messing me up because I was loving God with all of my heart. I was loving God with my soul, but I missed one major thing. And here's what Jesus says is the greatest command. Throw out everything else, do this. This is the greatest thing. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Here's the thing I was missing. And with all your mind. How many of us are loving God with all of our mind. You can love God with all of your heart and all of your soul, but if you don't love him with all of your mind, you're in trouble. Why? Because your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life's moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So what happens in here determines what happens in your life and the direction your life goes. And I just want to ask you, if your life's moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, do you like where you're going right now? If you don't, then you need to change your thoughts. You need to change kind of what's happening and the things that's going on in your life. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about the brain, everybody. And I have a little, a little video of a brain. Check this out. Boom. Isn't that cool? Um, I got a brain. And your brain is actually built over time, okay? Uh, it's built over time, and it starts when you're born. And your brain is, I mean, when you're like young like that, like a little baby, little kid, it is insane how your brain works. And your brain creates these things called uh, neural pathways, okay? So your brain, when you're born and when you're a little baby, when you're a kid, it's obsessed with making connections. It's connection, connection, connection. It's just making connections, just like we are at this church. We're obsessed with making connections, connections, boom, boom, boom. It's making connections. And how many connections do you think the brain makes when you're young? I'm going to tell you. One million connections a second. Think about this. One million connections a second. That little baby back there you're holding, that joker is like, boom, boom, boom. I mean, no wonder they're crazy sometimes, right? Like they're just overstimulated all the time. And their brain literally is trying to figure out what to do, right? Like it's just what's happening. It's making more and more connections every second. It's amazing. And then the brain goes through the process called pruning. Y'all say pruning. Pruning. And pruning is the way that every time one of these connections is made, it's making a, a neural pathway. And, and your brain actually becomes really efficient at this. And so what it does is it starts to become more efficient at these pathways and it starts to understand patterns and it starts to think in patterns. And so, in other words, once you think a thought one time, your brain makes it easier for you to make that connection again and think the same thought. Does that make sense? So, uh, so it becomes easier to do the things that you've already done. And that's really good news if your thoughts are healthy. It's bad news if your thoughts are unhealthy. Because you've made this super highway in your brain to think negatively or to associate negative things with this person, or to, to deal with your anxiety and to cope. And so your body is designed to make it easier. 
And so if you're having healthy thoughts, that's great. It's easy for you to make these connections. If it's unhealthy, it's bad. So the problem with me is I was having a hard time disconnecting these neural pathways that I've just associated certain things with negative and with bad and all these things. And, I, and my, my counselor was like, you need to just unplug your brain. I'm like, excuse me? How? Like, what are you talking about? Like, unplug your brain. Um, this isn't the Matrix, brother. You know, like, I'm like, what are you, I, I can't unplug my brain. There's just, I, I'm always thinking about work, even if I'm on vacation. It was hard for me to just unplug. And so he goes, uh, when's the last time you just played your guitar for fun? I'm like, never. It's all, literally, most of the time in my life, I've, I've, it's been my job. And so I started to find ways when I could just unplug, and I picked up some hobbies, you know, I um, they, it just would help disconnect my mind. So I did, I, I play very occasionally. I'll, I started reading more fiction books than I do. I used to not do that, but now I read some fiction books, and I just kind of go into another world for a little bit and disconnect. I started fishing, everybody. And actually, no, the, people, the person that sent me this had no idea I was preaching on this today. He sent me this article last night. Throw that up. Fishing and its health benefits. The more men go fishing, the better their mental health study finds. Can I get an amen from the men in the house now? Baby, I need to go fishing more. That's what, that's what it was saying, right? Like, because why? I just, I needed some time to just disconnect my brain. And sometimes I make the mistake of bringing the children, you know, and that doesn't work. <laughs> Gotta go by myself. But maybe you need to find a way to just disconnect from your brain. Just disconnect. It's Okay. Just disconnect. Here's what the Bible says, Isaiah 26. It says, you will keep in perfect peace. Y'all say perfect peace. All who trust in you and whose thoughts are fixed, say fixed, on you. You'll keep in perfect peace all those who trust in you and whose thoughts are fixed on you. Perfect peace. Not just occasional, sometimes peace. Perfect. It's not circumstantial peace. It's perfect peace. So what is perfect peace? In the Hebrew language, uh, the, the way this is written is shalom, shalom, all right? Uh, shalom, shalom, it means perfect peace. And when you see two words like that back to back in the Bible, it like makes it exponential. So shalom means peace. So shalom, shalom is like peace. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a lot of peace. Uh, it's exponential peace. You know when you tell your kids when they're doing something in the car and you're like, stop, stop. You know, you say it twice immediately. That's the same. Shalom, shalom. Peace. You know, like it's probably a little nicer than that. But peace, right? Like perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. It's exponential peace. And there's, uh, the author is telling this that you will experience exponential peace. You'll experience shalom, shalom when your thoughts are fixed on CNN. <laughs> Wrong news station, all right? Fox News. No, it doesn't. Or social media all day. Man, I'm going to just experience peace when I'm addicted to my phone and I see all the world's problems come at me in the middle of the night through a device I can hold in my hand. No. You also don't find it serving at a church, even though I think that helps. You don't find it at work. No. It says you're going to experience shalom, shalom, perfect peace when your thoughts are fixed on God. Now, what's fixed mean? Fixed is a word called samok. Y'all say samok. And it means to prop or rest your full weight on an object. 
All right? Prop or rest your full weight on an object. You can't just fix your weight on what is helpful. We have to fix our weight, our thoughts on God. It can't just be things that are helpful. There are some things that you might be doing, but they're helpful, but you're doing it without God. Fix your thoughts on God, and then you'll have perfect peace. Don't fix your thoughts on your problems. Some of us, gosh, shift your thinking. Quit thinking about that mistake you made. Quit think. No, fix your thoughts on God. Fix your thoughts on God. And when we do that, guess what we start to do? We start to form new pathways. And the Bible says that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. God wants to transform you by renewing your mind. Renewing your mind. He wants to transform you. So here's what I have to do and what you have to do. For some of you, this is going to be your verse right now. This is going to be like, this, in, in this season, this is going to be your verse. Here it is, 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. It's not by my power. It's by his power. It's not by your power. It's by his power. It's his power. Not your power. It's his power. And it's through that power that God gives us everything you need. So instead of saying, I can't, or no one understands, or no one gets what I'm dealing with, or I can't get this all done, or this is going to kill me, or there's no way I can keep up, instead of saying this, I want you to say this instead, because this is truth. God is my source and my strength, and I have everything I need to do everything he called me to do. Come on, everyone, get this out right here. I have something on your seat that says this. God is my source and my strength. I have everything I need to do everything he called me to do. Come on, somebody needs to say that with me. Come on, God is my strength. I have everything I need to do everything he called me to do. Come on, y'all need to say it a little louder. God is my strength. I have everything I need to do everything he called me to do. This is what you need to say. Fix your thoughts on this. Because God is the source of your strength. And in God, God's already given you everything you need to be the parent to your kids. You're their perfect parent. God gave them to you. You have everything you need to live a godly life. Well, Clint, I've just been struggling with this for so long. Like, uh, it's been a thing. My, my dad struggled with it. My mom. No, no, no. You have everything you need to do everything that God's called you to do. Why? Because he's your source. You have everything that you need. He gives you the people you need. He gives you the resources you need. He gives you the doctor you need. He gives you the counselor you need, the friends you need, the church you need, the strength you need. He gives you the words of God that you need. He gives you everything you need to live the life that he's called you to do. Come on, somebody, give God a hand for that because we don't have to do this alone. 
We can do this through God and his strength. But I want to tell you something. It's not going to be instant. I wish I could tell you that you're just going to feel so good when you leave here. and You'll never have problems with mental health ever again. That would be a lie. And I'm not going to do that. This is a journey. It's a journey. You're not going to get there overnight. You're not. This is a season that you're going through. It's one small step every day. Boom. Next day. It's a small step. Baby steps. But the thing is, is you do those baby steps over time, and you'll look back and go, I cannot believe how far I've come. You have to stay committed to the journey. You got to keep going to God's word. You got to keep praying. You got to keep coming back to church. Stay committed to your group. Like, just put yourself in a position where it's hard to fail. Guys, our, our enemy is attacking us everywhere. Do y'all feel it? Do you see it happening in your family? Do you see it happening to your friends? Do you see it? I mean, he is attacking everywhere. And some of those attacks have just made you feel helpless and hopeless. I know several people in here that are dealing with illnesses with their parents or with people in their family, and that just takes a toll on you. And I'm not saying that the, the devil caused all this to happen, but he's using it to discourage you. Some of you, man, you're having issues with your kids, and I just, I hurt with you. And there's no kid like kid pain. And it's made you feel like you're just a terrible parent or what have we done wrong? And it's starting to take its hold on you mentally. And you're thinking, how are we going to right this ship? It feels like we're the Titanic right now. We're just sinking. Hey, God's your source. He's given you everything you need to do everything he's called you to do. And guess what? He called you to be their parent. And you're going to be a great parent. You are a great parent. And your family's going to get through this. But it's not going to happen today. It might take a year. It might take a few weeks. It might take a few months. But we're going to be committed to just taking a small step every day. Small step every day. Jesus said this. Jesus, the words of Jesus. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give like the world gives. So listen, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. We talk about Jesus being the Prince of Peace for some reason only during Christmas time. He's that every other day of the week too. He, is, he wants to give you his peace. And you know when Jesus said those words? The night before he was to be crucified, nailed to a cross for you and for me. And he's saying, hey, don't, be, don't let your hearts be troubled. Peace be with you. I've got peace. Come on. He's about to go die for our sins. Most excruciating thing in the world. And it shows us this. It shows us that peace isn't found in the absence of problems. We think that sometimes, don't we? But peace is not found in the absence of problems. It's found in the presence of God. Come on, I'm going to say that again. Peace isn't found in the absence of problems. It's found in the presence of God. It's peace when you hear bad news. It's, it's peace 
when you lose your job. It's peace when your marriage is struggling. It's peace when your kids are making decisions that are wrecking you. It's peace when you're hurt by those you love most. It's peace when money is tight. It's peace when somebody walks out on you. It's peace that only comes from God. And guess what? The world can't give it to you. But here's also some good news. The world can't take it away from you. God can give you peace and nothing can take that away. He wants to give you his peace. Come on, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes in here. And if you're in here and you're like, Clint, I am struggling with this mental health thing. I'm struggling. This might be even new for you, but if that's you, come on, raise your hand in here. Don't be shy. If you're, I'm struggling today. Come on, raise your hand. Don't be shy. Raise your hand. Come on. God, you see these people right here. Meet them where they are. God, I just pray that you would encourage them. God, I pray that you would uh, shatter the lies that the enemy are speaking in their ear even right now, God, that you would just do the work that only you can do, God. I pray for peace right now in Jesus' name to just flood their hearts, to flood their minds, God. I pray that you would meet them in their circumstance and that, God, they would be bold enough to come to you with all their problems, with all everything that's going on in their lives, God, that they would just come to you. And when they come to you, they find peace. because I know that's going to happen because your word tells us it's going to happen and your word is true. So God, we're believing for that right now in this moment, God. We ask for peace. And if you're in here today and you've never given your heart to the Prince of Peace, I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe you've never met Jesus before. Peace starts at the feet of Jesus. It starts there. And if you're in here, you want to give your life to Jesus. I want to just invite you on the count of three. Just lift your hand. Come on, one, two, three. Lift your hand if you want to give your life to Jesus. Beautiful. You can put your hand down, and you can. We're all going to say this together. Come on, out loud. Say, dear God, I need you. Come into my life. Come on, say it. And God, I invite you. And in the best way I know how, I will live for you. God, be my peace. In Jesus' name, amen.